Hi, and welcome to the Samuel Manuel Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Manny Manuel. And I am the other host, Sam Rammer. Hello, good to see you again, Sam. Number Pleasure. two. Yes, number two getting crossed off the list. We didn't fail horribly the first time, at least not in our opinion. Yeah, number. well, actually, technically, this might be number three, since we're thinking of splitting the first one we right. recorded. So this yes. might be episode number three instead of episode number two. We haven't decided because everything's kind of still up in the air. Episode two and a half. Yeah, let's go with that. <laughs> um, so today's episode, we're going to talk about the things we've been watching this week. Uh, Sam and I have both been kind of busy, so we haven't watched that much. And then we're going to get into the 2018 Oscar nominations. Um, so we're, let's talk about what we've seen this week. Sam, why don't we start with you? What have you been watching this week? Yeah, so I watched a movie uh, called The Gift. It's the movie that came out in 2015, not to be confused with the 2000 version, which apparently was awful. Uh, same name, different movie entirely. Huh. Uh, um, yeah. You... Sorry, you go. Well, I was thinking the one in 2000, was that the one by Sam Raimi? Uh, it very well might have been. I, if I remember, sure. I, I actually like that. I'm going to look it up while you tell me about The yeah, Gift that and looking you saw. Up, looking it up on IMDb, I saw that there was another movie called The Gift with or the Gift with a very low score. But it's not that one. It's the one that came out in 2015, uh, directed by a guy named Joel Edgerton. Uh, either Edgerton, Edgerton, not totally sure. I've heard it pronounced both ways. Uh, but it was his directorial debut back in 2015. Well, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Joel Edgerton, that's actually... Uh... That's an actor I really like. Yeah, it is. I just checked. Oh, what, yeah. what do you know him from? A warrior? Oh, I've not seen that movie. Oh, uh, uh, oh he's also a, he's got a small part in uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Oh, um, he's also in uh, American Hustle. Um, you know him? This yeah. Is, oh well, yeah. I mean, he. That's he, him there. Yeah, totally. I mean, yeah. he also has a part in this movie. He plays a uh, relatively substantial role. So it's it's a pretty small cast in this movie. Uh, like I said, Joel Edgerton is uh, is in it and directs it. Jason Bateman is in it. Rebecca Hall is in it, who is absolutely lovely in movies like The Town. Um, basically, what it's about is uh, Jason Jason Bateman and Rebecca Hall are a married couple that move to a new neighborhood. And uh, Joel Ed- Edgerton is... Uh, I keep wanting to say Edgerton. Uh, Joel Edgerton is a... Uh, sort of an acquaintance from Jason Bateman's past, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, from his past. And um, he starts giving them gifts. He become, becomes a little invasive. Uh, Jason Bateman gets a little defensive, thinks he has a crush on his wife. And really, it's a, uh, it's sort of a thriller slash, uh, even a little bit into the horror genre, not totally into the horror genre, but it's more, more of a thriller uh, about Joel Edgerton's... Um, developing obsession with this family it's honestly a pretty good movie i saw it in theaters when it first came out i rewatched it uh just earlier this week like i mentioned uh got pretty good reviews got currently sitting at 92 percent on rotten tomatoes i know you manny aren't too big a fan of rotten tomatoes uh so i also did you the favor of looking up that it had uh 77 out of 100 on metacritic nice so uh relatively favorable reviews um as a brief review i just say good performances all around the ending uh of this movie in particular was shocking not necessarily a twist ending per se just uh, really a bold move for the way that they ended this movie and it really uh stuck out to me the first time i watched it and again the second time uh overall just well directed good good building of the tension and a movie i'd definitely recommend how did you watch it uh, it's just on Netflix. Oh, perfect. So our listeners can check it out on Netflix. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I remember. I do remember seeing the trailer for this uh, and not really being that 
excited by it. But yeah, if I mean, you the, it, the plot definitely sounds relatively simplistic, and it is. It's uh, nothing nothing innovative. It's not uh, not changing the game in any way. It's just a really good uh, thriller, in my opinion. Just a nice way to kill a couple hours. Yeah, totally awesome. Uh, anything else you've been watching this week? A uh, little bit of the TV show Shameless. Yeah, uh, I, I haven't uh, dipped into Shameless. I hear nothing but great things. Everybody I know that watches it recommends it. Well, I mean, if you like William H. Macy, I mean... This, and who doesn't? Yeah, he's comedic gold in this movie. I mean, obviously, uh, he's... The movie I'm most familiar uh, with him from is, of course, Fargo. Yes. Um, just brilliant, brilliant movie. Um, in this movie, I, or sorry, in this TV show, excuse me, plays ironically the polar opposite of that character. He's <laughs> a despicable, alcoholic, abusive father. Um, really just a, a terrible person who's, who you strangely admire because he's, he's cunning. He always is hatching schemes. He's, it's a pretty funny show. It's just basically about this, uh, this family that's impoverished in, uh, in Chicago. And it's, uh, it's touching, it's funny, it's dark at times. Uh, it's worth a watch for sure. Oh, it sounds yeah. sounds great. Everything I've heard is just amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I it's definitely one I plan on checking out to add to my ever growing list of shows for totally. me to watch. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, yeah. What about you? What have you been checking out? I uh, I haven't had much time to watch much this uh, this year. Sorry, this <laughs> this week uh, things are busy. But I did watch two uh, Oscar nominated films from the previous years. Do tell. Uh, yeah, the first one was Hacksaw Ridge, um, directed by Mel Gibson, starring uh, Andrew Garfield and Vince Vaughn. Um, a, just a brutally vicious movie um, telling the true story uh, of uh, the first conscientious, uh, conscientious objector. Easy for you to say. I know, right? <laughs> um, he just refused to carry a weapon in world war ii but he wanted to help he became a medic um the movie is based on a true story uh i can't remember the uh the character's name because um, i'm not looking up imdb as we speak um but andrew garfield was nominated for best actor first performance and it's a really good performance um it's a it's a really touching movie um dawes desmond dawes desmond dawes um, he had a deep rooted belief in God. Um, and the movie really treats everything with respect. Um, the only thing it doesn't treat with respect is the human body as Mel Gibson and his fascination with how he can kill, maim, explode, destroy, <laughs> hurt, and, and show any type of gore that he can continues if you if you okay by me yeah (laughs) it it is it is a completely it earns its r rating if you know of any of mel gibson's other movies you know that he is no stranger to violence and how much i i almost want to say he fetishizes it because he really goes over the top and really focuses in on the violence for those of you that don't know the other movies that mel gibson has directed he directed and won best director for braveheart which Honestly, I don't really think I've met anybody that hasn't liked it. I'm sure there are people out there. Um, the Passion of the Christ, which is basically a two-hour torture movie. Uh, and Apocalypto, um, which I really liked. I have um, seen Apocalypto. Uh, I actually have not seen Braveheart or Passion of the Christ. Wh- wh- what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Passion of the Christ, we don't have to worry about. But, but Braveheart, Braveheart I've, I've, I, from what I understand, I mean, I've seen the famous scene, of course. I've seen the big speeches and... Uh, 
and the the finale I have seen as well of him yelling freedom at the top of his lungs. Okay. Um, I think that I think down the line we're definitely we're gonna rectify those situations for you. Uh, I've got yeah. some stuff in the in the in my mind and in the works for future episodes where <laughs> I'm gonna make you watch some movies that are absent on your list that uh, that need to be rectified immediately yeah, the manny manual back in my day podcast <laughs> <laughs> so true yeah, i i have uh, i have also seen hacksaw ridge by the way yep i'm uh, sorry i'm gonna stop clicking my pen right in the microphone uh, <laughs> um but i i thoroughly enjoyed it as well i thought super well directed uh i think andrew garfield was up for best uh, actor for his yeah, performance sure if I remember was, yep. correctly and I thought it was very well deserved. Uh, Mel Gibson was up for best director as well. I'm gonna say yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, the the first criticism that comes to mind and that came to mind at the time when I first saw it was that it's a very Mel Gibsony movie. It, it, I mean, it it was exactly like you said. It's very fetishized violence and not in the Tarantino-y way where it's charming. Just uh, it it can be construed as sort of over the top. The other one is just really a nitpick but it strikes me as a, a very mel gibsony thing to do focus on the whack christian southern male who uh is just down in his luck while ignoring i don't think there's a single black person in this movie and it takes place on the front lines in world war ii and i'm pretty sure there were some black people in the on the front lines in world war ii so yeah there's a couple yeah <laughs> there was a couple a little bit of whitewashing I mean, as 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 per usual i mean hollywood whitewashing is nothing new of course so it just it's just a bad look for Mel Gibson, given his, um, shall we say, well-documented opinions on people of color. Yeah, yeah. I Again, I, I don't really want to get into that kind of stuff here. For sure. People and know all about it. You and I both do our best to separate the artist from the art. Um, even, I, I've not watched any Roman Polanski movies or anything like that, but I think you and I both still to this day appreciate the work that Kevin Spacey did before it came to light the things that he did totally and uh, and t i actually think that's probably a, a good topic of discussion for another episode is us to talk about separating the actor from the art or the actor from his real life for sure um, for it's, sure it's it is a touchy subject and probably not one that we should dive into right now but i think it's something that we should touch base on definitely in the future absolutely um the other movie i saw uh, that i watched with my sister darcy hey Darcy, love you uh <laughs> if she's even listening highly doubt it um, was Spotlight, um, Best Picture winner for 2016. Uh, Same year that Hacksaw Ridge came out, right? No, Hacksaw wasn't Hacksaw last year. Uh, you might be correct. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Hacksaw was last year right. and Spotlight was two years ago. Um, Spotlight, for those that don't know it, tells the story of how the Boston Globe uh, uncovered and reported on the uh, sexual abuse uh, that priests were doing in Boston and how the uh, Catholic Church was covering it up. Um, it's just got a who's who of people in the movie. Uh, Michael Keaton, uh, Mark Ruffalo, Stanley Tucci, uh, Rachel McAdams, uh, Lev Schreiber, um, and then uh, some other uh, character actors that are just fantastic. The performances from top to bottom are unreal. The uh, I can't really speak much on the on the cinematography. I didn't find anything really that great, but you can definitely tell that it was filmed in Boston. Boston has this feel about it and a look um, that I really I love. I again, for those of you that don't know, don't know me, I am 100% biased towards Boston because I am a diehard Red Sox <laughs> fan. Um, 
which might make some of you throw up, especially you, T-Bone. hate you. And um, so you can definitely tell it's filmed that in that city. Um, I like... I really can't say enough about the performances top to bottom with Mark Ruffalo really standing out. He has a monologue near the end of the movie um, that's just touching and you can feel the passion. Mark Ruffalo is definitely one of the best actors working today. Absolutely. I, uh, he's even, even as something like the Avengers movies, which are supposed to be fun, he, he can find himself with the, an overwhelming amount of uh, of charm and charisma, um, and in his more serious roles as well, including Spotlight, uh, he continues to impress. Yeah, he was nominated for Best Supporting Actor for Spotlight, and it's well-deserved. Um, Rich McAdams also earned an Oscar nomination for it. kind of surprised me. I didn't really find much of her performance that impressive. I guess it was just a, uh, just a nice, strong performance. I really liked Michael Keaton, and I really liked Lev Schreiber. Um, all in all, it's just a great movie. It was kind of a surprise win. I can't remember what it won over. Oh, uh, 12 Years a Slave. That's what it beat. Did it really? Yeah. Is 12 Years a Slave that recent? Yeah. Oh. Well, I'll be darned. Or am I? I could be wrong. I think you may be wrong. I'm going to try to Google quickly and prove you wrong, but, okay. uh, I'm, but I, I could also just I'm end almost, up looking like an idiot. I'm almost positive that 12 Years a Slave lost out to Spotlight because the director of 12 Years a Slave won Best Director. And then Spotlight won Best Picture. Well, you seem to have a clearer memory about it than I, so I'll, I'll defer to that's you a, on that one. That's at all least right. For the you, time can, being. you can fact check me uh, <laughs> as I try to uh, talk more about about what a great movie Spotlight is. I I absolutely loved. Like Michael Keaton is just so strong, and uh, I wish I could remember the actor's name, but the the character he plays on Mad Men is Roger Sterling. Um, he's really good in it. There's just so many people in this movie um, that are great and um yeah it's pretty much all i can really say about it i if you haven't seen spotlight you should really check it out because it is based on a true story about something that's really important um yeah go ahead i got the nominees for 2015 yeah uh so we got spotlight the big short bridge of spies brooklyn Mad Max Fury Road, The Martian, The Revenant, and Room. Oh, it beat out Revenant, right. Yes. I think 12 Years a Slave did win Best Picture, but we, whatever. Yeah. That was no the first again. year, actually, that I started watching all of the nominees, I remember. Yes. And yeah, I remember being very surprised that The Revenant lost out to it. Yeah, I thought The Revenant was going to win as well. So uh, thank you for the correction. Yes. Uh, okay, so that's what we've been watching this week. Uh, now we're going to get into the uh, Oscar nominations for 2018. We're only gonna we're gonna kind of go in depth on the on the top six, um, which are the four acting uh, nominations, uh, best director and best picture. Um, we're not going to talk about who's been snubbed because um, Sam and I have plans to do something along those lines um, where that might be a little bit of a crossover in a very soon future episode. Ooh, teaser! I know, right? Trying to hook people in to come <laughs> back and listen to us some more. Please listen to our show. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to give Sam the reins here. He's going to kind of take over from here. And uh, we're going to get started. Uh, our first category is... going to be uh, Best Supporting Actor. Ooh. So I think first we're just going to kind of run through the nominees. Seems like a logical place to start. Yeah. So we got uh, Willem Dafoe for the, uh, the Florida Project. We mm -hmm. have Woody Harrelson for Three Billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. We have Richard Jenkins for The Shape of Water. We have Christopher Plummer for All the Money in the World, 
and Sam Rockwell again for three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. Perfect. Uh, I'll start on this one then. Yeah, go for um, it. Out of the five nominees, I've only seen three. Me uh, as well. I think we're both missing uh, Willem Dafoe and Christopher Plummer yes. for uh, The Florida Project and All the Money in the World, respectfully. Yes. Um, in my opinion, I'm, I feel we're not making predictions, but we can kind of, I guess we can also kind of predict who or give our opinions on who we think is going to win. Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell as well. <laughs> he um, did win the Golden Globe and the Screen Actors Guild Award, so it shouldn't be at all a surprise if come Oscar time he does take home the hardware. I agree, and I love his performance, and we touched on it in the last episode. Yes, definitely in the last episode. Um, we touched on it on the last episode on how much we enjoyed uh, Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing's Missouri. I think we did spend some time on his performance as well in particular. Yes, uh, so we don't really need to go over it again too much. Um, the... I will talk about um, Richard Jenkins in The Shape of Water. Um, we did touch on that as well in the last episode. Yes, we did. I really loved him. It's a really subdued performance. For me, uh, I think for Richard Jenkins, the highlight from The Shape of Water is the scene where he's repeating back what Sally Hawkins is signing to him. Yeah, we should uh, repeat. We mentioned the last uh, episode as well, but Sally Hawkins is a mute character, so she can't. she can only sign. She can't speak. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, there is a scene where uh, she's uh, telling uh, Richard Jenkins that she, he needs to say out loud what she's signing so he can really hear it and really understand what she's saying. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's repeating everything that she says. Yeah, he's repeating what she says in sign language. And the, the, the two part in that scene that really makes it stand out for me with him is that he both is conveying what she's saying verbally but on his face he's realizing and coming to grips with what she is trying to tell him and it's just a great scene that he does really well um circling back to sam rockwell since we we really did go a little bit more in depth on him in our last episode but we should touch on him since he is kind of our favorite to or our pick to win he is the one i want to win as well he's my favorite of the three that i've seen and he's probably the most likely to win as well i don't know which scene for me stands out um in three billboards because he has so many and he's so great throughout it's funny the the more i think about it i i i understand that he's a supporting actor in that film but it almost feels like he's a lead because he's in it a lot it does doesn't it i think he more plays a supporting role through the first two acts of this movie uh towards the third act he does become a little bit more of a lead character and more of an equal to francis mcdormand which is maybe why you're left with that impression that he did have a leading role i think uh if i'm not mistaken the oscar sort of or the oscars sort of quantify this off screen time don't they like what percentage of the screen time is occupied by the actor no. or, or am i incorrect about that i i'm almost 100 percent wrong <laughs> not to throw in your face and the mm. only reason i say that is that anthony hopkins won best actor well, for oh, of the Lambs. And right, and he was on screen, what, 12 minutes? Yeah, like 12 so, minutes. Something like that, yeah. He, I think it's more... I thought he won supporting actor, but uh, I, I guess, yeah, yeah best no, actor. Yeah, best actor. Wow. Um, I mean, well-deserved, but 12 minutes. Yeah, so I don't, I, I, I'm totally fine with Sam being a best supporting actor, unlike a year ago or two years ago where Dev Patel was nominated for best supporting actor for Lion, mm-hmm. where he's clearly the lead. So... Um, I, was the reasoning behind that not just that he was pretty much only in the second half of the movie? I agree with you that he was the lead, but he was the lead in the in the second half of the movie. From right? my understanding, it's actually not the it's not the Academy that makes the designation; it's the producers of the studio. Huh, interesting. On, on what you 
submit your nomination in. I see. From my understanding. We can look into it another time. Mm-hmm. Um, so the last one that I guess that we can touch on, since we, again, haven't seen William Defoe and Christopher Plummer, is Woody Harrelson. Um, we did, again, we talked about him in length in the last episode, so we'll, we'll keep it short. Um, he's a really great, caring character in Three Billboards. Um, again, for those that don't know anything about the movie, um, I don't really want to get into a plot synopsis. <laughs> um, he's just really, you, you think about the movie he is going to be, and this is basically paraphrasing what Sam said in the last episode, you think he's going to be one type of character and he turns out to be the opposite. And it's that kind of turn that also elevates Three Billboards to being such a great movie. But Woody Harrelson, you really sympathize with him. And in lesser hands and in a lesser actor, you wouldn't. Um, But he really steps it up. Um, Woody Harrelson has that kind of a caring face. Um, I grew up, with Woody Harrelson um, being on Cheers um, as the lovable loser, um, and I actually had no idea that's where he got his start. I don't, I don't know if that's where he got his start. Well, I didn't know he was on Cheers in any yeah, case. Yeah, he was on Cheers for a long time, and he was really great on it. Hmm. Um, God, I love that show. <laughs> um, but I really, I really liked him in this. And again, we want to keep everything spoiler free. We could talk about. And Sam and I know exactly. As, yes, as I, we're head. looking at each other right now, completely on the same wavelength. But um, we can't talk about that. Not I, I we should do a spoiler episode on three, three billboards. billboards. We absolutely should. Hundred percent. There's too much to talk about to, without actually talking about it. Hundred. Hundred percent. We should. We'll, we'll do that actually very soon. Probably yes. before the Oscars or maybe just after. Mm-hmm. Um, as for Willem Dafoe and Christopher Plummer. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean you. Go ahead on Woody Harrelson. I didn't mean. Oh to jump no, ahead. Uh, not at all. Um, I completely agree with everything that you said. I think Woody Harrelson's character is important to the themes of the movie because without him, it's pretty much just Francis McDormand being a bitch for no reason. (laughs) This this movie. Yes. Woody Harrelson, his, not only his role, his character is really important that he's responding to Mildred played by Francis McDormand. He's responding to her uh, with, with love and with compassion and understanding and Woody Harrelson pulls that off really well. I think he plays the, the sympathetic uh, sheriff really, really well. Uh, the first scene that him and Francis McDormand share is honestly the scene that stands out to me. The one towards the beginning of the movie where they're sitting on a swing set oh, and he's, yes. he's begging for her to, to take down the, uh, the billboards. That's one of my favorite scenes of his. The other that comes to mind, um, was well, I again a scene that I can't can't spoil, but towards the end of his arc is uh, just something else that was really touching. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just about all I have to say about Woody Harrelson. Um, is there anything else you wanted to cover on supporting actor? Yeah, just a couple of things. Um, Willem Dafoe heading prior to the uh, Golden Globes and the other uh, award ceremonies, um, it really looked like this was Willem Dafoe's year, and everyone was talking about him. Uh, after watching the Golden Globes and Sam Rockwell winning and then his subsequent win with the SAG Award, um, uh, it looks like Sam Rockwell is now the one to beat. Uh, I haven't seen The Florida Project. Everything I've heard is that it's the Will- Willem Dafoe show. Um, the Academy likes to reward longtime members that haven't won. Uh, I hate the politics um, in the Academy Awards. It really bothers me. Um, I want the person that deserves to win to win not someone that should be getting a win because they've had a long career. Because they've paid their dues. Yeah, anything like that. I mean, there were so many... If you take, like, Leonardo DiCaprio as an example, they were 
a million more roles he should have won for before The Revenant. Not that The Revenant was a terrible performance from him or anything, but it is sort of predictable that, I mean, he turns 40 and then he wins for a physical role. I mean, those are two huge criteria that the Academy go for. They want they want you to be old. They rarely, if ever, award it to people under 40, at least for the actor category. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they prioritize uh, physical roles as well. Um, totally. And, and and something sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. Not at all. They want something showy. There's got to be that showy part yes. of it. Understated performances really get cut out, and that's Absolutely. one of the reasons that Mark Rylance's win for Bridge of Spies in this exact category was a surprise. Yeah, big yeah. surprise. I didn't see that coming at all. No, me neither. And, and I I agreed with the win. I I thought he was one of the best parts of that movie, even uh, alongside an acting uh, behemoth like Tom Hanks. Uh, he manages to actually steal a few scenes, believe it or not. Yeah, it's awesome. Um, but we're getting a little off topic. Yes, of I course, guess, guess. as we always do. It's so much so. <laughs> uh, I'll try and keep us on track uh, as best I can. And then uh, touching on Christopher Plummer, for those of you that don't know, uh, all the money in the world, uh, he plays uh, a character named uh, J. Paul Getty. Um, it was actually originally played by Kevin Spacey, and then because of the accusations um, put towards Kevin Spacey, the filmmaker Ridley Scott decided to actually cut out all of Kevin Spacey's performance, and I think they did all of the shooting for this in like two weeks. Yeah, I heard I heard about a month, but I mean, I, yeah, the the numbers vary. Regardless, shot in a very short period of time, very little prep time, and very little shooting time. Yeah, very little shooting time, and they completely cut Kevin Spacey from the movie and inserted Christopher Plummer into the scene. So they had to bring back the main actors. And um, hey, Mark regardless, Wahlberg. sorry to interrupt yeah. you, uh, regardless of whether or not he wins, getting a supporting actor nominee in that little time, that's no small feat. That yeah. should be applauded in itself. I, I agree 100%. Again, neither of us have seen the movie, mm-hmm. um, but obviously his peers and everyone in the industry believe that this is well-deserved. I'm just astounded that he's getting this nomination on such short notice and on such quick work. Right. Um, so let's move on from Best Supporting Actor on to the next um, category best supporting actress uh, yeah so best best supporting actress uh, nominees we got Mary J Blige for Mudbound we have Allison Janney for I Tonya there's Leslie Manville for The Phantom Thread Laurie Metcalf Metcalf excuse me for Ladybird uh, and Octavia Spencer for The Shape of Water um, Manny alluded in the last episode that Octavia Spencer um, it was a little bit of a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, it, it's not that her performance in this movie is bad by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, none of these nominees we're going to be talking about today are bad actors or actresses. That's not what this is about. There could have been more deserving people than Octavia Spencer. I don't think that's what we're touching on today. But I also don't think it's what's going to win. It's a pretty by the numbers performance by her. I don't know if you agree by that. I do agree. Uh, I didn't really f- walking out of that film I didn't feel that that was an Oscar worthy performance it was just solid work from a solid actress um, just quickly before we continue on uh, out of the five nominees how many have you seen Sam oh yeah I should touch on that so I have not seen Mudbound I've not seen the Phantom Thread uh, so I've seen three of the five I have Octavia Spencer Shape of Water Laurie Metcalf Lady Bird and Allison Janney I Tonya so I'm the same number, but actually a little different combination for me. I actually haven't seen I, Tonya yet. Oh, you haven't? Nope. But I have seen uh, Mudbound, um, Lady Bird, and Shape of Water. So okay. I've seen Mary J. Blige, Laurie Metcalf, and Octavia Spencer. Right, right. Um, and so back back to you. Uh, moving on, 
I don't have anything else to say about Octavia Spencer. I was just going to say that it's her third nomination. She she won for The Help, actually, on her first nomination, and was nominated again last year for Hidden Figures, which also was honestly not one of her better roles. I agree. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Um, I would have liked to have seen one of the other girls nominated from Hidden Figures, but I don't want to harp on it. The one thing I did learn today, though, um, is that Octavia Spencer uh, is the first African-American actress to uh, get nominated the year after she won. Oh, yeah, uh, consecutive years. Consecutive nominated years. consecutive years. Same with Denzel. Denzel's the first African-American that is to really get surprising. back-to-back nominations. I mean, if there was one guy who was going to do it, it should have been Denzel. Or Sidney Poitier. Yes. <laughs> That's some time, slightly <laughs> before my time. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, even a little bit before your time, dare definitely, I say. Definitely, definitely before my time. Uh, anything before 1996 for me is just sort of all one <laughs> big blur called way back then, but I digress. Um, so touching on, I, I guess I'll start with, um, well, I'll actually start with the uh, nomination or the, the nomination that you haven't seen, and that's okay. Mary J. Blige in Mudbound. Right. Um, Mudbound is on Netflix. Um, it's n- it's not the kind of movie that I'm going to recommend people to watch. Not that it's a bad movie. It's actually really good. Um, but Mudbound is the kind of movie that the Academy loves. I think the reason that Mudbound isn't really prominent throughout the nominations here is because it is Netflix. I think it got I think it played on one or two screens, um, but it is it is on it on TV, and that's too bad because this movie on the big screen would be phenomenal. The cinematography in this is fantastic. If I'm not mistaken, it did get a nomination for cinematography. Uh, I'll quickly take a look here. Cinematography, uh, Mudbound. Yeah, Rachel Morrison, female. That's fantastic. Um, So I'm kind of moving towards, uh, as I'm talking about Mudbound, for those of you that like, it's set uh, in the South um, during the... pretty much during the Depression. Um, it's the kind of movie that the Academy loves. Um, I don't know if an average moviegoer will enjoy this kind of movie because it's very slow. It is about performances. It's almost like a play. Um, so if any of what I'm saying appeals to you, then check out Mudbound on Netflix. Mary J. Blige, is uh, she's really good in it. It's the kind of performance, again, that sadly rarely ever wins because it's really understated there's no huge monologue it's a lot of reactionary um stuff it's just really good acting i'm not a for mary j blige i don't know if she's really i'm sure she's acted in other things i wouldn't be able to tell you what it is i have to cheat and look it up um and as for her music not a huge fan of her music i don't hate it um because I don't know her that well, I saw her name in the credits and then I kept waiting for her to show up and then I finally realized that she was the character named Florence Jackson. She's kind of unrecognizable. It is the opposite of a glamour role. Um, she's really good in it. Uh, I, Well, this is basically almost only a two-horse race in this category. Honestly, I don't even think it's a two-horse race. I think we all know who... Well, not we all know... We all know who's going to win. Um, but Mary J. Blige, is, it's solid. I, I really like that she got nominated. I quickly did just look it up, and the only title I saw that she had appeared in before this that I recognized was Rock of Ages, 
I haven't seen it. No, I can't imagine you would have. I did not either. <laughs> so good for her. It looks like uh, her first sort of Oscar bait movie that she appeared in, she got a nomination for it. So good for her uh, with such a little acting experience or her Wikipedia filmography is pretty short, only about three or four entries on there. So mm-hmm. yeah, good for her. Um, should I go ahead and move on? Well, let's uh, we'll let's both we'll both touch on uh, Leslie Manville, um, who neither of I neither of us have we seen. have not seen that movie. I actually, Phantom Thread. I and I barely I only have an idea of what Phantom Thread's about. I'm really looking forward to seeing it because it's by Paul Thomas Anderson. But I don't. There's not really not much either one of us can say. I have heard her performance is really good, obviously by her nomination, but we don't really have much to say about it. Um, I, I would echo that pretty okay. much exactly. I think I probably have less of an idea about it than you do. Okay, so, so let's move on. Um, why don't you tell me more about Allison Janney, who I haven't seen. Right, so uh, for those of you who don't know, Allison Janney is pretty much considered the favorite in this category. Big she, time. This she, is almost a slam dunk. Yeah, if you're if you're doing your Oscar picks and you don't have Allison Janney winning this award, I don't know what to tell you. You should just go home. Because she did win the Golden Globe for this movie. She did win the Screen Actors Guild Award for this movie. It's pretty much just considered a no-brainer at this point. Uh, She plays uh, Margot Robbie's mom in this movie, um, who really is just a complete and utter bitch. Uh, She brings uh, Tanya Harding, played again by Margot Robbie, she brings her down uh, at any opportunity, degrades her, uh, just really chews her out for the slightest indiscretion, is emotionally abusive, physically abusive at times, and is really just despicable and a narcissist. And uh, it's really the, we're talking about, we're talking a lot about the types of nominations that tend to win. This very much is the type of nomination that tends to win awards. Not that she's, not that she's undeserving by any stretch of the imagination, but it's very, very loud performance and a very in your face, look at me act sort of performance. It's almost very similar. And just seeing from the trailers alone, Mm -hmm. I was kind of, I could kind of tell that this is the kind of performance that's, that's going to, win awards or get nominated for awards almost from the exact same in my opinion i could t- uh, when i saw the trailer for the very first time for whiplash i was like jk sims is gonna win something oh, and I you can just movie. i know oh my <laughs> god i just i seriously just got chills yeah. um but um just telling from the trailer alone you could tell that allison jenny's at the top of her game um for those of you that don't know she's won numerous emmys um for her work on mother mo- mom mom with um uh, I can't remember. Christopher Pratt's wife, whatever her name is. She's really funny. Uh, I, <laughs> I couldn't tell you off the top of my head. I can't remember her name, but she, I, I, she's an actress I like. Mm-hmm. Um, she's really cute. She's really funny. Um, but they have a show called Mom, and uh, Allison Janney has won um, one or two or two or more Emmys for her work. Uh, Allison Janney's appeared in lots of other films that I've seen, um, usually, again, in supporting roles. Uh, and she always just knocks out of the park, and it's it's nice that she's being recognized. Mm-hmm. Um, anything else with Allison Janney? Um, no, I think that pretty much covers it, uh, other than basically anyone she's on screen with. Uh, she somehow manages to have good chemistry with them while simultaneously showing them how it's done. Like she, she steals every scene she's in, but she also, uh, I think, elevates the people above her, which, again, another sign of a, of a job well done. Almost similar to Frances McDormand. In Almost similar to Frances McDormand. Interesting. Something tells me that's not the last time her name will be uttered, but uh, yeah. that's getting a little ahead of ourselves, isn't it? Yeah, so the last nominee we have in this category is Laurie Metcalf for Lady Bird. 
Um, why don't you start us off? Yeah, so uh, Ladybirds, uh, we actually didn't talk about it at all in our last podcast because it didn't make either of our top 10 lists. Which of the was year. shocking. Yeah, it, uh, it barely missed out on mine. I would put it probably 11th or 12th. I don't know about you. Um, but a big part of that is uh, Laurie Metcalf is, uh, plays uh, Saoirse Ronan's mom. So Saoirse Ronan plays the titular role of Ladybird, and Laurie Metcalf plays her mother. And their relationship really is at the core of this movie. Uh, this is another role that really, you could argue, borders on lead. Um, it's very significant. The movie doesn't happen without her. And um, it's another sort of role. I mentioned Allison Janney uh, is abusive and a bitch. Uh, Leslie Metcalf's character isn't that bad. She uh, She's slightly less. She is basically what your teenage version of you thought your mom was like. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> that is so well put. Yeah. She's basically what any teenager would consider a tyrannical parent to be. Uh, she criticizes every decision that Ladybird makes. She uh, wants to micromanage her life, uh, Calls, talks about how ungrateful she is, and berates her at basically every opportunity she gets but it's all because of how much she loves ladybird and the ironic thing about this performance is that that really is the thing you come away with is how clear it is how much she loves her daughter and how she only is thinking of her best interests yeah totally and this is when i when i mentioned earlier that this is a one maybe a two horse race these are the two that we're talking about it's basically between allison janney and laurie metcalf I'm all, like I'm about 99% sure that Allison Janney's going to win it, but if Laurie Metcalf pulls it off, it is well deserved. She is so good in Lady Bird. It really is exactly everything that you said, Sam. She really criticizes everything that Lady Bird does. She's kind of putting her down. She does micromanage a lot, but it is because that she loves Lady Bird. And it's those little moments that they have together. It's the moments um, Laurie Metcalf has alone. Um, that her performance really stands out. Laurie Metcalf has always been a, a really good actress. Uh, she was on Roseanne for a long time, which I didn't really watch. Um, she does play, for those of you that don't know her, she plays Sheldon's mom on The Big Bang Theory, so now you probably <sighs> know who she is. Um, she has had. She's actually got this really small role in a movie that I love called JFK, um, and even in that, in the few tiny scenes she has, she really stands out. She's always been a really great actress. I'm glad she's getting the recognition, and this is the role of a lifetime for her. Sadly, she's run into a steamroller, uh, an avalanche of talent named Allison Janney, so this probably is not going to be Laurie Metcalf's year. Um, Laurie Metcalf does tend to do a lot more TV work than movie work. I don't know why, um, but I'm hoping that she'll kind of transition a little bit more into movies if this is the kind of work that she's going to be putting out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have nothing more to add if you're ready to move on. Cool, let's move on. All right, so uh, that gets the supporting out of the way. And now we're on to the, the big guys. We're on to Best Actor and Best Actress. I think we're going to start with the actor category. Uh, in my opinion, this is probably one of the stronger categories in uh, the entire Oscars. There are some really, really powerful roles in this movie. I agree. Uh, sorry, pardon me, in this, uh, in this category. So uh, as far as the nominees go, you have Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, who we, uh, you hadn't seen uh, Call Me By Your Name given or at the time the last podcast was recorded. I had, and I absolutely adored his role. We have Daniel Day-Lewis in The Phantom Thread. Again, neither of us have seen. We have Daniel Kaluuya uh, for Get Out, Gary Oldman for Darkest Hour, and as you mentioned before, Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. 
Um, as you touched on, um, prior to, well, since the last episode, I actually have seen Call Me By Your Name. So out of the five nominees, I've, again, the magic number is three for me. I haven't seen Daniel Day-Lewis in Phantom Thread, and I haven't seen Denzel in Roman J. as Israel Esquire. Easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, for me, I've actually only seen two of these. So I've seen Timothy Chalamet for Call Me By Your Name, as I mentioned, and I've seen Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out. I've not seen Daniel Day-Lewis, Gary Oldman, or Denzel Washington, though. Okay, well, let's knock out the, the two that neither one of us see. Daniel Day-Lewis is basically our finest living actor. Probably, honestly, maybe the only argument you could have would be Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, Even then, I think Daniel Day-Lewis is more consistently incredible where tom hanks is reliably good and often incredible yeah i I agree with that on the flip side if you want to make the argument it's because tom hanks does do more work than daniel day lewis daniel day lewis is very picky daniel day lewis basically only takes a role if he knows it's going to be a coin flip for best picture (laughs) yeah um but that being said i'm pretty sure he's fantastic I don't know a damn thing about his performance, and I wouldn't be shocked in the least if he won. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then Denzel Washington for Roman J. Israel Esquire. Nailed it that time. Thank you very much. Um, I haven't seen the movie. I actually haven't really heard anything really that great about that movie. It was actually only recently on a couple other podcasts I listened to that they actually raved about his performance. Um, I, I, I don't know. It's, it's Denzel. Like, really, when is he bad? Um, from the what I saw in the trailer, it actually kind of looks like a departure from the usual Denzel is super cool about everything. This is kind of something a little bit different. Um, but I can't really touch upon it because I haven't seen it. Um, and I'll be honest, I really don't have much desire to see this movie. After watching the trailer, I don't really have much desire to watch the movie. Yeah, I honestly haven't seen it either. Like I mentioned, I really don't have any desire to see it either. I think it did come to town briefly, uh, but neither of us really took the initiative to go see it. Um, I should mention that last year, Denzel Washington was also nominated for Best Actor for Fences, and uh, was widely considered to be the favorite and lost in sort of a shocker to Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea. Yeah. Um, so if you're doing your Oscar picks, maybe worth a look for Denzel Washington at Roman J. Israel Esquire, simply because, as mentioned before, the Academy is sort of an old boys club. They, yeah. they like to reward actors for past performances even though they're sort of listed at their current performance they're not uh denzel already got the we're sorry we missed up on your because they oh that's right it was for what's that movie he, called well he won for training day which right. is a travesty but yeah. that was the makeup for him not winning for um for malcolm x the year he should have won but that was the year they decided to give it to al pacino for scent of a woman which is not that great of a performance, but that's a, whoops, we're sorry we didn't give you the Oscar for all the times you were in The Godfather. And that's what the old Academy is known for doing, is they do the makeup call. Um, I've seen a grand total of zero of those movies in that rant, but... (laughs) (laughs) I was born in 1996. That was all, like, what, 2002, 2003? Uh, Nope, even earlier. Even earlier? Yeah. Uh, Anyways, (laughs) oh, God. Whatever. I apologize. that, That will be rectified. This... This podcast is now taking shape in that I'm going to catch you up on all the bills. Yes. Um, I should be jotting down all my homework assignments. Exactly. And do nothing but watch movies till the end of time. Oh, that sounds like heaven to me. <laughs> um, so we've touched on the two we haven't seen. Let's move on to the two that we have seen. Well, um, why don't you talk about Gary Oldman first, since that's the one that I haven't seen. Okay. Gary Oldman, basically, in my opinion, 
and according to most of the things, is the front runner in this category. He plays Winston Churchill in the movie The Darkest Hour. I caught this last week, and everything you hear or you've heard about Gary Oldman's performance is true. It's a kind of performance where you don't recognize the actor and you're just watching a performance. Granted, he is under a whole bunch of makeup and prosthetics, so unless you're really looking, you don't really see Gary Oldman, you see Winston Churchill. Um, he really just nails it. Um, he's overpowering, he's doubtful, he's everything you're looking for. This is an Academy award-winning performance. This is the kind of acting performance that the Academy loves. It's very showy, there's a lot of monologues, there's a lot of close-ups, there's a lot of chances for him to emote on all levels of emotion, both uh, anger, sadness, fear, trepidation, happiness. It's fantastic. Um, and there's actually quite a few comedic moments in it as well, and Gary Oldman nails it all. Um, hands down, um, probably, definitely one of the best performances I've seen this year. Um, in my opinion, if he doesn't win, looking at these, again, haven't seen Denzel, haven't seen Daniel Day, but out of the other two that we have seen, he, for me, he stands head and shoulders above the other two that we have seen. Um, I could go more into the performance, but I, I don't want to rant on and on. It's not a, it's not the Gary Oldman podcast, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, I find it surprising that he could emote through all that makeup and prosthetic that he's wearing because from the trailer it's like you said it's not gary oldman or at least it doesn't look like gary oldman yeah it, and it's it's done he he emotes fantastically i don't know um i don't know who did the makeup and if you got it if there's a nomination for best makeup i'll check on that um, i'd be shocked if there wasn't uh, yeah definitely no yeah it was nominated and yeah i'm pretty sure it'll probably win um because the, the, the makeup is so good. You don't, it doesn't look, it's not bad makeup. If you want an example of what bad makeup looks like, then you watch Leonardo DiCaprio in J. Edgar. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's not good makeup. And that's wah, the difference. Wah. Yeah. Performance wise, Leo was good, but I, I don't, again, I don't want to get off the rails. All right. Uh, why don't we move on to Daniel Kaluuya? Okay. Kaluuya, Kaluuya, Kaluuya. I yep. don't know. Go Daniel, ahead. the guy who plays Chris in Get Out. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, last time around, I actually kind of uh, gave Daniel Kaluuya the gears. I mentioned that of the ones that I had seen, he was probably the one I would uh, shoo from this category for someone else. Um, in sort of reflecting on that and uh, listening back to what we said about him in the last podcast, probably was even a little bit harsh. He does have a lot of subtlety in this role. He has to react a lot. He has to uh, act awkward and still polite. A, a lot of his performance is him trying to show that he's masking emotions, yes. trying to show that he's masking his awkwardness and masking his anger at these people. And that can be something that's not too flashy and not too showy and something that I probably failed to give him recognition for last time. Uh, I, I agree. Not in the, to throw you under the bus. I, <laughs> I wasn't agreeing with you saying not giving the recognition. As just, tell me, just tell me I told you so, Manny. <laughs> I, I <laughs> told you so. Yeah. Uh, I am glad that you kind of came around on that performance because I, I agree with everything that you just said. It is a reactionary performance. It's him reacting to the things being done to him um, that really stand out. Um, I really loved it. This nomination really means a lot to me because, again, it's the kind of performance that the Academy barely ever really recognizes. Um, it's small. It's subtle. Again, there's not a lot of showy parts for him. I, I, I'm intrigued as to what is going to be his little clip during the nomination because um, he doesn't have any 
He doesn't have any really massive monologues. Um, yeah, it's true. But his, um, the reactions on his face to the things being done to him, um, again, the, 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 um, the subtle racism, um, the backhanded compliments, everything that goes on throughout that film, it's him reacting to it and him trying not to react to it. Um, it's those kind of things that I really enjoyed. Uh, the first hypnosis scene is going to be his scene. I'll, yeah. I'll go ahead and say that when uh, he's being hypnotized and doesn't know that he's being hypnotized. Nailed. I think that's that's the one. Nailed it. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and if it's not, I'll be shocked. Um, that's definitely the highlight. Um, moving on to Timothy Chalamet. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as alluded to, this is the one you've most recently seen. And I've seen this one relatively recently as well. Um, I sort of gushed over this performance in the last one. He, he's really, really good, right? I do agree. Yes, he was really, really good. I felt he started off a little slow. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I, I think the entire movie really starts off a little bit slow. It really I, does. I, it, I alluded to the slow pacing. Yes, and, it yeah. does take a while for the movie mm-hmm. to pick up. Um, and when it does, it, it really does. And then that's when Timothy Chalamet's performance really starts to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, don't really want to spoil too much. Um, the movie is really affecting, uh, Timothy Chalamet is the center of the film. Um, he is really good. He plays a, I don't know what his real age is. Um, but he plays a 17 year old really well from Mm -hmm. what I can remember because that was eons ago. (laughs) Yeah. He seems, uh, sort of immature and, uh, not quite ready for, uh, the things that he's feeling in this movie. And I think he, uh, lets that come through really well. Um, as I mentioned last time, he does speak English, French, and Italian in this movie, which is very impressive. Um, the the piano playing, I could have sworn that was him. I don't know if you saw there there were times where it cut away. It but... well, it is. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Yeah, totally. Um, it is funny. Um, I did see this movie last night uh-huh. after. Um, you and I had already talked about. So you uh, were likely looking for where's, I, where's the cut? <laughs> I really, really was. I was, I was really watching him. Uh, I haven't checked out Wikipedia. I haven't done the research, mm-hmm. um, but it definitely looked like he really was playing the piano. I thought so as well. Um, I don't speak any of the other languages that he was speaking in it, but to me, it sounded natural. Um, the way he transitioned from English to French to German. I, I thought it was English, French, Italian. I don't know. Uh, thank you. Yes. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. Italian. Thank you. Um, he didn't the, go full Christoph Waltz. Only, yeah, only, only three quarters of the languages. And that's good because there is only one Christoph Waltz. Yeah. <laughs> um, the way he transitioned between each language, because there were scenes where he would just, they were, they would start the conversation in Italian move and move right into English. Um, I really liked that. It was really different. Yeah. As you say, you, we can't really judge what he's saying in Italian or, uh, or French, but transitioning back into English, it's seamless. And he, uh, he doesn't stumble. He doesn't seem awkward about it. He yeah. it just seems to flow very naturally. Yeah. He spoke it very well from someone that doesn't speak the language. It's, it sounded real and naturalistic to me. I have mm-hmm. no idea. Um, if anybody ends up watching the movie that speaks French and Italian and speaks it well and listen to him and you can let us know if he, <laughs> if he spoke it well. Yeah. Um, for me, I, I, I don't really think, uh, nope. Uh, <laughs> I can, my favorite part of his performance is the last shot of the movie. Yes. Um, I, I agree ha- with that. Hands down. Um, I would actually have a hard time. Um, we're not spoiling anything. Um, I'd have a hard time picking between, 
I'll get into it when we talk about best picture. Um, Fair enough. So, yeah, the the last shot of the movie um, is basically, in my opinion, where he earns this nomination. Yeah, just I, I won't lie. If the last shot in the movie wasn't in it, I don't know if I would actually rank him this high. Mm-hmm. Um, the rest of the performance is great, and if he had gotten nominated even without that last shot of the movie, it'd be. I'd be fine with it, but this the the last shot of the movie is really what elevates his performance for me. Yeah, the way that uh, in that shot uh, he manages to there's a thousand emotions going through his character's head, yes. and every one of them is pretty clearly visible in his expression, and it's it's heartbreaking yet uh, touching, and it's there's confusion and there's just a, a variety of emotions that you can see that he's feeling, and it's. Uh, it's pretty incredible, actually, the way he uh, managed to managed to pull that off. And I, I will concede that I think uh, a big part of his performance is uh, on the chemistry. I liked him uh, alongside Army Hammer. Yes, I, uh, I agree. Their their chemistry yeah. is fantastic. It wasn't necessarily his performance that elevated the movie. It was their performance together, which maybe uh, you know brings him down in this category a little bit. It, it is possible, and. As soon as you mentioned that, I, I my mind just started racing and thinking about Army Hammer. Army Hammer is like the perfect like condiment. He, <laughs> and what I mean by that is that he, he really seems to elevate the performance of the people around him. Like he really was great in the social network, but it's his performance that seemed to really elevate everyone else's. Um, same um, with, and it's a completely different kind of movie, but The Man from Uncle. Him and um, Henry Cavill really played well off of one another. He, re- I think, for me, Army Hammer might end up going down as someone that we really underappreciate as an actor. He really seems to step up the actors around him game. They seem to really respond to him well, and they he really gives them stuff to play off of. The chemistry between him and Timothy Chalamet is fantastic. It's great to see um, someone give so much for a performance, and Timothy Chalamet really. Um, plays off of it really well. So I uh, wholeheartedly agree with what you said. His um, his rapport and his connection with Army Hammer in the film is fantastic. Yeah, totally. And I think should also just briefly add before we move on here that I think the direction really focuses on Timothy Chalamet. There's not a lot of close-ups on Army Hammer. He doesn't have a lot of scenes that are designed for him to steal. Just every scene that he's in, he's just sort of there to elevate uh, Timothy Chalamet's performance. I agree. I agree. The movie is told from Timothy Chalamet's perspective. That's mm-hmm. why he is the lead. Absolutely. All right. Uh, so there is... Oh, yeah, you know what? That is the last one in that category. I could have sworn we had one more, but I think we are ready to move on. We're pretty much in agreement. Gary Oldman is a, is a no-brainer for that one. Uh, no brainer. Um, honestly, if there was an upset coming, coming, <laughs> if there was an upset coming, and I tripped over coming because I wanted to say Chalamet. Chalamet is the upset in my uh-huh. opinion. If if somebody's gonna up uh, upset Oldman's performance, I think it's Timothy Chalamet. I mean, could also just be Daniel Day Lewis simply because he's Daniel Day Lewis. But True. he has also won it three times. Only person in history to do so. So I'd be surprised if they gave it to him again. Personally. Yeah. All right. So I think we're gonna head on to best director now. Nope. Oh, oh! Sorry, we have the best actress to uh, to move right. on to. Oh, oh, we are such a guy. We are way behind here. I... <laughs> All right, best actress. It's a man's world. Sorry, sorry, ladies. 
<laughs> All right. So best actress, we have Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, Frances McDormand, Three Billboards Outside of Missouri, Margot Robbie, I, Tanya, Saoirse Ronan, Lady Bird, and Meryl Streep for The Post. I've actually seen all of these. What? Yeah, I just kind of realized that. Oh, jealous. I've only seen four. Our wow. streak of threes end. <laughs> well, you had to make up for only seeing two in the previous category. That's fair. Yeah, so we're still in an even keel here with, so the, true. with the nominees. Um, well, let's start. Um, well, why don't we just go alphabetically? We'll start with Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you take it away? Okay. Um, we did touch on it last episode, um, so we'll kind of skim over it a bit. Sally Hawkins um, plays a, a mute janitor, um, so all of her performance is through physicality, through her facial reactions, her sign language, her body actions. Um, it is a, a fantastic performance. Um, I really love everything she did. Um, I, I, I love the nomination. Um, but even after watching it, it's not one I would pick to win. Um, her chemistry um, with the sea creature um, is believable, and that's an that's a feat in in and of itself. Yeah, um, the fact that you can believe that these two beings who can't speak and can barely even communicate actually in any way, uh, the fact that you believe that they have chemistry and they and you believe that they're in love. That's uh, that's something to be applauded in and of itself, even outside of the rest of the performance. I agree, and there's she does have a, a couple very really cute and comedic performances in the movie. Um, she does a really good job. Um, I, I I don't really have anything bad to say. If kind of going on a theme, we go on, then we kind of go off. But I, my favorite scene of hers, you know what? I'm probably just gonna touch on. I'm gonna double tap with the scene with Richard Jenkins. Yeah, that, I mean that's the best scene in the movie, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, I I also liked uh, her scenes with Michael Shannon. How uh, she oh. doesn't really give in to intimidation. <laughs> I think you know the one I'm thinking of. Hundred uh, percent. She's being a, she's being accused by Michael Shannon. She, she's being accused by Michael Shannon of something, and uh, she just isn't taking a shit. And somehow, it, it's amazing how someone who can't even speak can tell you to go fuck yourself so effectively. Yes. Yeah. I, I just. <laughs> she, she's really funny in this movie, actually. She even is. without a speaking role, she has, like you, like you said, she has a couple good comedic moments as well. Yeah. And a good uh, physical performance for sure. True. Uh, next up is Frances McDormand for Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Uh. Yeah, <laughs> so uh, we basically gushed over Frances McDormand last time as well. Maybe we should keep it brief just because of that, but what can you say? She won the Golden Globe. She won the Screen Actors Guild Award. Um, she's funny. She's heartbreaking. She's formidable and angry and terrifying all at the same time. Um, she would be a lock for me, uh, even if I hadn't seen the previous uh previous awards out of these five she's easily my favorite of the five um yeah, yeah. I, I don't know about you yeah i agree 100 percent um i will keep it brief since we gushed like you said completely gushed over on the last episode um i, I actually can't even find the right words to articulate everything because you kind of stole everything <laughs> with your little diatribe sorry to um, go through the dictionary like it's that. okay i know i'm Desperately looking up thesaurus as we speak. Uh, I love her. Um, her performance is strong. It's heartfelt. Um, it's nearly pitch perfect. For me, she is the favorite. I'm pretty sure 
she's going to win. In my opinion, the only person that kind of could get in her way is Cersei Ronan, who we'll touch on shortly after you tell me about Margot Robbie. Yeah, so Margot Robbie in I, Tonya plays uh, Tonya Harding. Uh, another movie we didn't talk about last time was I, Tonya. Didn't make either of our lists since you haven't seen it and flat out just didn't make mine. Um, pretty damn good movie, but uh, it, it really just suffers from Allison Janney being as good as she <laughs> is. Uh, and by it, I mean Margot Robbie's performance. Uh, she is perfectly great. Um, without getting into spoilers, big theme of the movie is sort of... Uh, you know, it really brings into question the nature of truth. So a lot of these things that you're not sure actually happened or maybe are told by an unreliable narrator, um, she breaks the fourth wall on a lot of these parts and that uh, she plays it for a laugh a lot of the time. So it is a relatively comedic performance. I She gets a good laugh out of me a lot of the time. I didn't find any of her comedic stuff, you know, gut-bustingly funny. Um all of her more serious scenes were uh, were pretty damn good. Um, much like Timothy Chalamet, uh, there's a look that she gives in this movie that's actually spoiled in the trailer. Um, that it's a, only about a t- maybe I don't know half a minute long scene of her doing her makeup and trying to put on her appearance that she uh, put on her persona that she skates as, mm-hmm. and that her her struggling to not break down into tears in that scene uh, is really, really well done. And that scene alone is probably uh, good enough to earn her the nomination for this. I won't lie. Those are the kind of scenes that I love. I love, I love those scenes where people are trying to fight the urge not to break down. Um, and you can see that pain just under the surface. Um, for me, those are the kind of scenes and performances that I, I eat up. It's my candy. It's like walking on a tightrope, honestly. She, yeah doesn't want to totally go one direction into breaking down the tears and she doesn't want to, you know, not show any underlying emotion whatsoever. It's a very, very fine line that she walks masterfully, in my opinion. Perfect. Um, So moving on to Saoirse Ronan for Lady Bird. Um, This, to me, is the only person that really has a chance of upsetting Frances McDormand. Um, Saoirse Ronan, uh, who just astounds me um, at her skill... I don't have it in front of me how many nominations she's had in her career. This is definitely her second, if not her third. Um, I first came across Cersei Ronan in the movie Atonement. She was fantastic in it. Um, and her, I can't remember what her other nomination was for. Brooklyn. Thank you, Brooklyn. Um, Those are the only three, by the way, are uh, Atonement, Brooklyn, Lady Bird, nominated, nominated, pending on Wikipedia. All right, so I was right, three, not bad. Um, She's fantastic in this movie, playing uh, a teenager in the early 2000s? 90s, 2000? Uh, 2000s, I think, uh, around 2002, 2003, if I remember right. Yeah, um, and she nails it. Um, I grew up in in this area, in this era, Um, So everything that she's talking about and going through, I can somewhat relate to, um, but I am a guy, so not everything. Um, But she's great. Uh, I won't lie, part of the reason that her performance really uh, captured my attention and really astounded me so much is that she's an Irish girl, Mm -hmm. and she plays an American, a West Coast American, um, 
and just nails it. Yeah, the accent that she puts on in this movie, if you didn't know who she was, like, for example, if you hadn't seen Brooklyn, where she does play an Irish immigrant, uh, you would have no idea that uh, she's she's from Ireland because uh, the accent is flawless. Yeah, and for me, that raises her performance level as well because also while emoting and providing this dialogue, she has to maintain that perfect American accent. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's perfect. If Again, if you didn't know that she was, she was from Ireland with a thick Irish accent, um, you wouldn't even have a, a clue. Um, I, I, I'd actually... While I'm going to transition over to you and to talk about Cersei as I try and figure out what my favorite scene with her in it in that movie is. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, there's I I can touch on that briefly as well. I mean, there's a number of scenes that she's really good in. The one that played for a laugh that I really enjoyed was when she's first auditioning uh, for the play (laughs) and her her instructor asks if Lady Bird is her given name and she responds, yes, it's given to me by me. Her delivery of that line was was really, uh, she came off as uh, formidable, I guess. Yes, and as a teenager. Yeah, she was very much a teenager in this role. And that's actually just a, good way of describing it I think uh, is that she does a really good job of just portraying a teenager who thinks she knows what's best th- just doesn't care what the world thinks of her and just really uh, is uh, very gung-ho in, in a lot of regards oh yes and I remember feeling that way at that age oh I look back and I just want to slap myself <laughs> what you didn't have your life sorted out at 16 no oh, i thought i did <laughs> i thought i knew everything wait i still do yeah that's right um yeah i don't know if i could pick out a favorite scene of mine most of actually in all opinion in all opinion in all honesty my favorite scenes from uh ladybird are ones without Cersei in it so, well, what about the one uh, with her and Laurie Metcalf uh, picking out a dress at the when they're going shopping together? That's a fantastic scene that really highlights both of them as a lot, but it's, I, I, I don't know. Yeah, it highlights know. both of them more than just her individually. But I'm good. I'm, good. I, I, I'm not going to be able to pick one. Eh, we've talked about her enough. Fair enough. She got the praise. She was great. She was great. <laughs> she was great, and she's basically my number two in this category. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, and then there was one. We, uh, we come to Meryl, uh, oh, a, a, young, Meryl. a young upcoming actress, <laughs> uh, a newcomer to the Academy. Academy, if I'm understanding correctly. An unknown bursting on the scene with a yeah. surprise nomination. I'm telling you, Manny, I know you disagree, but this Meryl Streep has a lot of potential. <laughs> yeah, so um, I did look it up beforehand. Uh, Kerda, do you know off, offhand how many nominees she has? I did look it up. Okay, I'm not cheating. I can't okay. read upside down. You are covering it, but yep. I won't cheat. I am going to guess. Well, uh, how many wins, first of all? Wins? How many wins does she have for either supporting or best? Three. Correct. Nominations, including this one? Nominations, including this one. 18. Higher. 20. 21. Don't. 20, 21. Three wins on 21 nominations. That is a surprisingly low percentage. Don't you agree? I do agree. Yeah. Like, so we really shouldn't be saying how amazing she is when she's only... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Meryl, you got 18 losses in the, for your nominations. I mean, me and Manny both have fewer losses than Meryl Streep in, uh, in the Oscars category. 
So I'm not saying we're better actors, but I mean, hey, fewer losses, the stats don't lie. Oh, so true. <laughs> wow, 21. Three, three for 21. Yep, first nomination uh, was back in Deer Hunter in 1978, and then she's pretty much just been a shoe in to get nominated every performance since. Uh, Deer Hunter is a great movie, by the way. I haven't seen it. Shocker. <laughs> it was 1978. Give me a break. God, three for 21. That makes her a 143 hitter in baseball. Oof. That doesn't cut it, Merrill. Yeah, you got to go to AAA, Merrill. Yep. Triple uh, A, it's in a rookie league. For real, though, uh, her performance is really, really good in this movie, and we oh, did touch on it last time. We did. Um, but just the way that she plays someone who's really timid and out of their depth uh, in the beginning, uh, I don't want to say doesn't know what she's doing at, at the Washington Post, mm-hmm. but really is just kind of playing second fiddle and just there to be a placeholder in the beginning. And the way that she shows uh, the evolution of this character from that into someone who's strong and making decisions that have consequences uh, and paying for or being willing to pay for what those consequences may or may not be. Um, you can feel that evolution through her performance and okay, it's Meryl Streep. It's, it's obviously an excellent performance. There's no surprise there. Yeah. Again, we, we make fun of her 21 nominations like, and I don't really want to dive into the history of those nominations, but there, I know that there are a few that I hundred percent don't agree with. But and this plenty is, that you do. Oh, and plenty that I do. And this is one that I do. She, she is jaw droppingly, fantastic in this movie um every one of her scenes you can't help but watch her she's well she's phenomenal my favorite scene in this movie again i kind of want to skim over it because we did cover it last episode Mm -hmm. um my favorite scene i I won't spoil it even though it is real life um, but my favorite scene in the movie with meryl streep uh in the post is the phone the phone call scene. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that is uh, a pretty large portion of the movie as well. So the scene takes place over about 15 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) But I I totally agree. That is probably the climax of the movie and really the the climax of her character arc as well. And the way that, uh, I mean, it's a testament to the writing and to the direction as well that uh, those two uh, overlap very well. Um, And Meryl Streep's performance is what pulls that through. And you totally feel the weight of the decision that she makes in that moment yeah i agree um yeah let's we'll wrap it up there i don't want to spend too much time we're already way too long but (laughs) i'm I'm all i'm all i'm still fine with the length it's just that we kind of if we keep talking about meryl we're just gonna repeat what we said well now two episodes ago there you go let's move on correct best director Best director. Oh, now it's time for best director. Now it's time for best director. I am not going to be introducing any more of the categories. (laughs) Going to let you take the reins on No, my apologies. I'm just like, um, let's move off of actress. We we talked about half of them last episode anyways. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, best director category, uh, we got nominees for Christopher Nolan for Dunkirk, Jordan Peele for Get Out, Greta Gerwig for Lady Bird, Paul Thomas Anderson, Phantom Thread, and Guillermo del Toro for The Shape of Water. That's a fine list. That is a very, very fine category. Uh, I believe two uh, first-time nominations for Jordan Peele and Greta Gerwig, Uh, if I'm not mistaken. I would go three. I don't know if Del Toro... Paul Thomas Anderson is No, I don't know if Del Toro has been nominated before. Yeah, you're probably right. Off the top of my head, I can't think of another movie of his that was supposed to be Oscar-worthy. Maybe Pan's Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah, Pan's Labyrinth, possibly, but yeah, the other one. At the very least, two newcomers in Jordan Peele, Greta Gerwig, maybe Mm -hmm. three with Guillermo del Toro. Um, I have seen four of these. As have I. Yeah, I think we're both just missing Phantom Thread, right? Correct. All right. Uh, why don't you get started on Christopher Nolan? Okay, uh, Christopher Nolan and Dunkirk. Um, the, for me, 
this is who I would like to see win um, because of the absolute sheer scope and size of this movie and this production. Um, having to, they used real extras, not digitals. Um, obviously, there are some digitals, but they they did hire several thousand people to play all the soldiers on the on the shore. Um, there's some epic air battle scenes. There's a lot of fighting, um, a lot of ground movement, uh, stuff going on with ships. Um, he's pulling out these really great performances from a bunch of actors I don't know, with the exception of Mark Rylance. There are four, I guess, four, five big names. Rylance, Cillian Murphy. Uh, so there are Kenneth a lot of Branagh. actors that you do know. Well, Kenneth Branagh. But I guess it is an these, ensemble cast. So it is there an ensemble is... cast, like... But, you know, Kenneth Branagh's not in it very much. Right. Uh, Cillian Murphy and Mike Rylance are in the same scene. Um, and then... Uh, Tom Hardy has Tom... his annual performance where his mouth is obscured by some sort of mask. Yes, and he's all by himself. Um, the majority of the film is these uh, soldiers, and I don't know any of them except one is this little singer... Uh, play, uh, uh, what's his name? I honestly can't remember his name. I Don't look at me. He's one of those teen heartthrobs in that British band that all. Uh, talking about One like, Direction? Yes. One of the members of One Direction is in this movie. Yes. Who's the most popular one? Harry Styles. Probably. Thank you. Yes. Harry Styles. Oh, yeah. He's I didn't in this, even. He's in this movie. Really? Yes. Wow. See, and <laughs> I haven't seen The Deer Hunter, but I can tell you who Harry Styles is. <laughs> um, I depressed Harry, myself with that fact that I knew that Harry Styles is in this movie. I don't know which character he plays because, like I mentioned last episode, there are about a billion of them. Yeah, there's a ton, and so for me, Christopher Nolan's direction, um, I think all of his movies are at the worst good. And at the best, they're the best film of the year. Um, this, for me, isn't the best film of the year, but it's one of the best films of the year. And his direction of this movie, because of the size and scope of it, um, is really what impressed me the most. And I'm about to cough. <coughs> um, that's kind of all I really want to say about Christopher Nolan. He doesn't pull out any award-winning performances, obviously, um, but he pulls out really great performances in a large ensemble. Yeah, so I, I do agree with a lot of what you said. Um, pulls out a lot of good performances out of an ensemble cast, um, which is really tough to do when, as I mentioned uh, last episode, the writing for the characters isn't really the focus uh, of the movie. So getting even half-decent performances out of your, uh, your actors is really a job well done. Um, visually, this movie is spectacular. Um, as far as the audio goes, this movie is spectacular. Um, a lot of that is Christopher Nolan's direction and just the way he does tell the story about uh, the survival effort really is impressive. Um, Christopher Nolan is one of the best directors working in Hollywood today, one of the most consistent. Um, everything he's done pretty much since Memento in 2000, I think I've seen and adored. So there's it, really no surprise that he got the director nominee based on name power alone. Uh so, yeah, as far as that goes, uh, yeah, like I said, he should just get the nomination based on being named Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and then the actual direction itself, of course, is also just lovely. Yep. Next up? Uh, yeah, next up is Jordan Peele, Get Out, first-timer. Oh, wow. I, I don't even know oh, where to start. Um, for a first-time film director, mm -hmm. um, I'm... Pretty sure he had a hand in 
probably the direction. I, I never watched his show, mm-hmm. uh, Keen Peel. Um, Very funny show. I'm pretty sure he probably had his hand in directing some of the skits and episodes that they did. No doubt. No doubt. Um, so it's not like he's coming out of nowhere. Not that any director really comes out of nowhere. They probably directed music videos or commercials or something like that. Um, I mean, as far as the nominees go, though. Yes, totally. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, let me preface this. I'm not trying to downplay Jordan Peele's um, uh, nomination or his performance as a director. Um, I didn't... What I liked from uh, Jordan Peele's direction is the performances he pulled out of his cast. Um, I, I mentioned it last episode. I, I can't remember her name, um, but the maid, um, the performance he pulled out of her in the in the one scene um, where she's talking to to Chris about why she looked at her phone. I looked at his phone. Um, is one of my favorite acting scenes of the year. Um, the performances he pulls out of Daniel Kaluuya, the performance he pulls out of um, uh, the father whose name escapes me. He's a character actor I love. Um, it's really about him pulling out these really great performances from his actors. Um, I didn't find anything really flashy about his direction. There wasn't any really, there wasn't any really, really great camera movement or tricky shots. I did like what they did with the hypnosis scene. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I really liked his. I really liked his directing style. Um, obviously, he didn't. Um, he didn't have a lot of a budget to work with. Uh, this is a Blumhouse production. For those of you that don't know about Blumhouse, quickly, Blumhouse is a production company that what he does is he allows artists to make the movies they want, but they have a $5 million budget. They can't go over. If they go over, he will give them some money. Um, but as long as they stay under $5 million, the artists are allowed to do what they want, and that's why these Blumhouse productions are turning a lot of profit because artists are allowed to do what they want, but they have to work within these limits. Yeah, looking at the budget right now on Wikipedia, I'm seeing it uh, had a budget of $4.5 million and uh, really didn't do so well at the box office, only made $255 million. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think a real disappointment. I don't think Jordan Peele will be getting much work anytime soon based on that. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and it's. I'm really looking forward to seeing what he does um, moving forward. Um, I'm hoping that he doesn't get a huge budget uh, and then kind of waste it. You know, Jordan Peele's not the kind of director I want to see doing the next Jurassic Park movie. Um, I don't want to see the next Jurassic Park movie, period. <laughs> right? Um, I am excited for this guy's future. Um, he did announce recently that he's retiring from acting. He's going to only write and direct. Uh, and that's if he continues putting out work like Get Out, I am 100% okay with that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I would basically echo all the sentiments that you said there. Uh, the performance from the entire cast. Uh, I recently, uh, earlier in this episode, mentioned that Daniel Kaluuya I've come around on. Uh, Allison Williams plays the female co-lead, and she's also very good. I think Bradley Whitford is the father's name, uh, which escaped you. And he's also, he's really funny, yes. <laughs> I think. Um, what was the, the name of the, uh, the TSA agent who, uh, I can't see him on the starring Lil list. Lil Ray? Lil Ray? Something like that. Yeah, yeah. I can't see him on the starring list. But it's Lil Ray the, something. I remember that. I'm supposed to be talking about the direction, but I can't, <laughs> can't get through Get Out with just giving him another shout out there. Uh, but yeah, all Lil, around. Lil Ray Howry, sorry to cut you off. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the, the really main goal, maybe I shouldn't say main goal, but one of the larger goals of any director is to get good performances. If if Jordan Peele achieves nothing else in this movie, which he does, but if he achieves nothing else, all of the roles are more than serviceable, all of them bordering on very good. 
Um, I mean, he got a nominee for his male lead, so he must have been doing something right. Uh, as far as the hypnosis scenes go, um, very minimalistic, uh, very uh, nothing, like you said, too flashy. Um, but I, I kind of like that, honestly. He wasn't trying to, you know, have... Uh, have an Alfred Hitchcock sort of vertigo spiral going on in the background. Nice. <laughs> I do know some old movies, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, overall, I, I'm totally agree. My ass is in the seat if uh, if Jordan Peele is directing next time something comes to town. Yeah, I'll be I'll be in there as well. Uh, moving on to Greta Gerwig and Lady Bird. Yeah, so Greta Gerwig uh, actually didn't get the uh, she didn't get nominated at the Golden Globes, which is kind of a surprise. It was, yeah. Because they also uh, divide director into two categories, right? I no. know. No, they don't. They no. just do the one category. Yeah. All right. Even so, um, Greta Gerwig not getting a, a nomination. I guess I, I somewhat understand. It was a pretty strong category. I can't remember who they nominated in her place. Ridley Scott. Ridley Scott. Uh, I didn't see all the money in the world. So and Jordan Peele didn't get nominated at Golden Globes either. Right. Yeah. Because Martin McDonough did. Okay, but that, that wow, Martin McDonough didn't get nominated for Best Director. I just realized that's pretty incredible. <laughs> anyway, uh, Greta Gerwig um, also got very good performances out of both of her female co-leads, as well as all the side characters and I guess what you would call an ensemble cast, sort of. Uh, I, I would definitely call it an ensemble cast. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of side characters in this movie, <laughs> all of whom give very good performances in their own right, and all of them are very interesting characters as well. Yes, totally. Um, even outside of that, I thought visually this movie was pretty good. There were times, I think I mentioned this to you right after I watched it, there were times that uh, it seemed pretty obvious that she was at the very least uh, inspired by Wes Anderson. A lot of symmetrical shots, a lot of uh, things uh, looking very quirky and very colorful yes. and uh, sticking to a distinct color palette. I thought uh, a couple of the shots, not everything, but a couple of the shots looked very Wes Anderson to me. Yeah, I can, I can see that as well. Um, Greta Gerwig's performance, uh, performance, sorry, her directorial, um, basically her directorial debut. It's, her it, uh, debut in a major motion picture, I guess. Yeah, you say. she did co-direct another film. I don't know what it was, but nobody this does. The, this, yeah, <laughs> this is the first time she's directed one on her own. And again, this is somebody that I, I'm not gonna rush out to see her next film. Um, but this is exactly it's basically the same kind of performance from a director um, similar to Jordan Peele. Um, she doesn't have any flashy camera movements. She doesn't wow us with anything. Her, her, her budget probably didn't allow it. But this isn't the kind of movie where you're looking for something flashy. This is, this is all about performance. Uh, and the performances she pulls out of her cast here are, just like um, uh, my cohort said, uh, are fantastic. I love everybody in this movie um, from top to bottom. Even the smallest roles have... Um, great performances um, and the bigger roles have award-winning or award-nominated performances. Um, I'm looking forward to what she does in the future. Uh, I'll, she's definitely someone I'll keep an eye on. Um, I don't really have much to say. Her her direction didn't wow me. I'm not a, I'm 100% not upset with this uh, nomination. I'm really glad she got it. Um, I, I, it's, a, it's a really great directorial performance but nothing wowed me if she if she wins i'll be stunned yeah yeah absolutely if she wins over i think uh christopher nolan and uh the well the nominees we're going to get to next uh both would be favored over her if anything uh she would be the the dark horse to win in this category i agree yeah uh so 
I think we're done with that. Uh, we're going to move on to, well, Paul Thomas Anderson. Neither of us have seen Phantom Thread, as has been mentioned numerous times. Um, but just to touch on Paul Thomas Anderson, the only two uh, of his movies that I've seen, as far as I know, are uh, Boogie Nights and uh, There Will Be Blood. Why couldn't I think of that name? <laughs> it's only one of the greatest movies of the 21st century. Uh, yeah, such a great um, a great He's a fantastic director. Um, yeah. I was trying to think earlier about what he would have been nominated for, and I think uh, uh, There Will Be Blood is likely at, at least a nominee for him. Yeah, for me, the movie, uh, let's see, kind of looking through it, I I think I've seen his his first film, uh, Hard Eight. Um, I've definitely seen Boogie Nights, which was one of my favorite films of that time. Um, Magnolia, which I absolutely loved, but it's really weird uh i won't give away what happens um but you're watching one type of movie and then something happens near the end where you're just like uh (laughs) what (laughs) um it's probably a movie i'd like to revisit um then we're moving on to punch drug glove um which i didn't mind i like that he pulled off a pretty good performance from somebody i hate um Adam Sandler? Adam Sandler. Yeah. Um, Then we're looking at There Will Be Blood, um, which is... One of the best movies of the 21st century. Yeah. Uh, Unreal. Did Uh, he get a nomination for that one, do you know? I would have to assume he did. I'd have to. It would be absolute uh, a a travesty if he didn't get nominated for that. Yeah. And then his last two movies I haven't seen, which are The Master and Inherent Vice. Um, So, yeah. I, I don't... I'm going to assume that... The movie, again, is visually fantastic. Uh, Paul Thomas Anderson is a fantastic director. Um, probably lots of... Oh, prob- I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I, he's, he is a really good director. Um, I don't see him winning. I, I wish I could touch more. I wish I had seen The Phantom Thread. Uh, I plan on seeing it as soon as it comes to Kamloops. It's one of the bad things we have about living in a small city we have for we have to wait and wait and wait yes and then sometimes not even get movies that come to town yeah but um, nonetheless hope to see it in the near future um uh, yeah which leads us into our last nominee the big dog yep uh, guillermo del toro um widely considered to be the favorite for the award i think yeah uh, um, agree yep. won the golden globe uh won the director's guild award um and i think rightfully so i gushed in this movie about how technically brilliant it is it does lead the way a shape of water does in uh in nominations it does have 13 nominations which doesn't necessarily mean it's a better movie than the rest i think what that points to more generally is that it's technically great because there are so many technical awards some that mean uh more than others but this movie has great uh performances reflected in the three acting nominations that it has uh, and it uh, is visually stunning, which is reflected in the total number of nominations it has with 13. Yeah, we're probably going to gloss over Del Toro a little bit um, again because we kind of really talked about him a lot on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I, I pretty much, the more I think about it, it's kind of looking more and more like, I, I thought this was kind of a wide open year, um, but it's looking like the major categories are kind of almost locks. I don't really see anybody beating Del Toro. I would love to see Nolan win, um, but you know, I'd rather have seen Nolan win for Inception than Dunkirk. Um, 
I think this is Del Toro's year. Um, his direction in The Shape of Water is great. Um, really nice uh, camera movements. Um, he really captures uh, your attention. The cinematography is gorgeous. Um, I, I honestly haven't been able to stop thinking about what you said in that every frame is an oil painting. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so great. Um, it's not going to win Best Cinematography, though. If it does, I'm going to be pissed. It's um, not. Uh, but uh, his, the performance he pulls out of everybody, um, being able to juggle um, those performances, and with the the only word I can use to describe it is the absurdity of falling in love with a sea monster, but making <laughs> it believable. Not once are you guffawing or doubting anything that's going on. Uh, he pulls out this touching, amazing performance from everybody um, and really just moves the story along at a, at a, at a great pace. It, it's, it's direction at its finest. And when he wins, it'll Ooh. be well-deserved. Yeah, totally agreed. And I think I've said everything I need to say about Guillermo del Toro last episode, everything from the, from the visuals to the performances, everything just an all around great, great, uh, bit of direction from, yep. uh, del Toro. So I think with that, uh, we're going to move on to the final category yeah, here. The, the big one. The big one. Best picture. So we got nine nominees for this one. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess from what I understand, uh, a list of nominations are submitted and the uh, Academy has to all vote, kind of similar to the Hall of Fame voting for baseball, right? Where if you reach a certain uh, percentage thresholds, you get the nomination. So, Something like yeah. that. So generally speaking, every year there's between five and ten nominations yes. for this category. This year there happens to be nine. So I'll go ahead and read those out. So we have Call Me By Your Name, Darkest Hour, Dunkirk, Get Out, Lady Bird, Phantom Thread, The Post, The Shape of Water, and Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Both of... Oh, no, wait. Uh, the only one I haven't seen is Phantom Thread, and you're just missing Darkest Hour and Phantom Thread. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. So, yeah, I'm at 7 of 9. You're at 8 of 9. Um, starting off with Call Me By Your Name, which I saw last night... Um, it's an exquisitely touching picture. Um, I I hate that I'm in this category. My in, initial reaction is actually slam on a movie. Uh, I don't see this winning. Um, I don't think it's strong enough to win. Um, mm. My nitpicks on the movie, I can't believe I'm going negative. My <laughs> nitpicks on the movies, I actually noticed that, I don't know if it was on purpose, and I feel like it was because it happened so often, but there were so many times that the actors were out of focus. Mm. There's a lot of out of focus stuff, so I don't know if they're playing that. Maybe Timothy Chalamet was his wasn't fully aware of what was going on. Then as it comes into focus, his attention comes into focus. I don't know. I'm reaching for anything I can find. <laughs> I honestly my... didn't even notice that. To be completely honest, maybe upon a rewatch I would. Um, my main issue, as I've mentioned before, is the pacing uh, of this movie. I, I think I think exquisitely touching is a is a perfect phrase to describe how this movie is. The last twenty minutes, in particular, are uh, spectacular. But yeah, the the pacing, especially of the first act, uh, is where it really suffers. And I guess being in focus would be another area. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so touching on that, uh, I agree. the the last The last twenty minutes of the movie make it worth watching alone. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part, well, basically said it, the the end monologue by uh, Michael Stuhlbarg. Thank you, Michael Stuhlbarg, and the last shot on Timothy Chalamet are easily the highlights of the film. Mm-hmm. Any 
I, I think we've covered it, yeah. Um, right. I, one Next, moving on to The Darkest Hour, which I have not seen, but you have. Okay, Darkest Hour uh, tells... The, AKA the Gary Oldman show. Pretty, it pretty much is. Uh, the Darkest Hour tells the story of Winston Churchill and his... Um, as he takes over as Prime Minister leading up into World War II and whether or not England is going to join into World War II uh, as Hitler starts to take over Europe. Uh, it is basically the Gary Oldman show. Um, going into this movie, I wasn't quite sure how good this movie was going to be. All I'd heard was um, how good of, of a performance Oldman gave. But after watching this movie, the movie itself is fantastic and well worth this nomination. This is the kind of movie that um, the Academy loves. The It's a period piece. It's about war, which the Academy gets so hard over they love war <laughs> film um it's it is really good um again this movie will not win um unless a lot of the former academy uh members that have died come back because this is this is the old academy's wet dream oh the, yeah the same academy that made the king speech win best picture those are the people that are going to vote for this for best picture and that's Sad, because there's other films on this list that are much better than Darkest Hour. But don't get me wrong, The Darkest Hour is a fantastic movie. It's elevated by Gary Oldman's performance, but the movie itself is great. It's highly entertaining. Um, it doesn't move at a slow pace. Um, it gets in going really well. But you basically are watching this movie because of Gary Oldman. Yeah, um, it's one that I'm really interested to see. And I did miss it when it uh, it already has come to town and it's since gone. So. Unfortunately, I have missed it, but it is one that I'm interested to see. Uh, Winston Churchill is one of the more interesting historical figures of the last uh, of the last century, so I'll have to catch it some other way. Um, if you're ready to move on, yep. I think we're going to go to Dunkirk, the other war movie in this category. Again, the Academy's wet dream, a war movie, an established director, lots of sweeping shots, lots of big shots of people dying and war and blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of movie that... The Academy, again, it's like their wet dream come true. Um, I don't see this movie winning. If this movie wins, it's going to be jaw-dropping for me. Um, I did love this movie. I love that it got nominated. It's worthy of its nomination. Cinematography is fantastic. Pacing is great. It's, it's great. It's actually a really quick movie. Um, there's not really much to complain about this movie, but it is, in my opinion, it's not best picture yeah it's actually one of the shorter movies in christopher nolan's repertoire right yeah. it, it's uh, it's about 90 minutes right yeah and I, it was just shocking because anything under two hours for christopher nolan is a sprint yeah yeah uh, most of his movies uh, get a little bit on the long side but uh, i guess he told the tale that he wanted to with uh, with dunkirk in such a short time i do really i think this movie is uh, worthy of the nomination i've since come around on dunkirk as well uh just thinking about it a little bit more I actually came to the realization that uh, if you look at it sort of through the lens uh, as a horror movie or like a survival film mm -hmm. in, instead of more of a war movie, uh, I think it becomes a little bit more enjoyable, uh, especially since uh, the Nazis aren't really the Nazis in this movie. I mean, the, the Nazis are sort of Hollywood's favorite villain. I think you called them last yes. time. Um, and Christopher Nolan doesn't really use them for that. They're often referred to as the enemy. Uh, they're sort of this vague threat. They're, you never see the German ships. You never see the German soldiers except for when they're out of focus at the end. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really more of just about survival instead of about war. It doesn't make any comment about 
the nature of war. It doesn't make any comment about the moral ambiguity that comes with uh, two opposing sides in war. It's really just about survival. And when viewing it through that lens, I think uh, I, I did sort of begin to enjoy it a little bit more. Nice. I, that's, that's well put. Uh, moving on? Yeah. Awesome. Uh, we're uh, currently on Get Out, mm-hmm. uh, Jordan Peele picture we were talking about. Um, I think another well-deserved nomination. I don't know about you, but uh, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie. This was number f- five on my list, I believe, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I'm going to have to look back in my notebook here. I think it's number four. Number four. All right. <laughs> That's right. Shape of Water was number five. Um, yeah, so this is, my, this is my fourth favorite movie of the year, and I stand by that, honestly. Uh, it has a lot to say about race. It has a lot to say about uh, how we can... How we as white people benefit from uh, from a system that keeps black people down, even if we aren't explicitly racist ourselves. Um, I think the the themes in this movie are really uh, they really come across well, and Jordan Peele does a good job of communicating them. I agree wholeheartedly. Um, the social ramifications of just out are get out. just out <laughs> of get out are are justified. The movie not so subtly tells uh, and says a lot about um, the um, what black people are going through, how they feel, uh, all wrapped up in an entertaining little tale um, set in, I don't know, was it Connecticut? I can't remember. Uh, I can't even. It's some, some super white state. Yeah, some super white <laughs> state, which is like Connecticut. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, I, again, I, I agree with you 100%. It's well-deserved, this nomination. I bl- honestly... For me, this is a this is a, a one that could sneak in and actually win. You think so? Eh? I do. I do. Um, it says a lot. Um, everybody's kind of really rallying behind it, and uh, I think this could be a, a big upset. I think we might be surprised. I don't think it's going to win anything else, but I think <laughs> it could end up winning Best Picture. If this wins Best Picture, I'm not going to be surprised. Yeah, I mean, now that you mention it, I honestly haven't even really entertained the notion that something other than Three Billboards is going to win Best Picture. But now that you mention it, it should be one of the favorites if Three Billboards doesn't exist. Yep. I mean, this is a very, very good movie. And one thing we haven't even talked about, I guess, is how creative this movie is. Oh, it's so creative. Uh, yeah, the, just the, again, we're not spoiling anything, but the, the revelations in this movie, the things that come to light about what this family is doing is really like, if you say you predicted that when you were watching the movie, you're a liar. You, you did not predict that at all. Uh, I've never seen anything like that put to film and uh, it it was really surprising and just a thrill ride the entire way through. Really, really good movie. Great, great movie. Uh, Moving on to Lady Bird. Um, Again, I'm totally fine uh, with this nomination. This nomination to me is very similar to Juno. Um, I I love that it is. Yeah, Juno was nominated for Best Picture, wasn't it? Interesting. I love that it's in here. Uh, Again, I don't see it winning. Um, it did have um, some momentum earlier on in the campaign season, but I don't see it being able to pull anything off now. Yep. I love that it's in here. This is the kind of movie that I think is really going to resonate with a lot of uh, with a lot of people, and I think this is the kind of movie that people are going to remember and revisit 10, 15, 20, 25 years from now. This is the kind of movie that's going to stick around and the kind of movie that's really going to... I think it has a lot of staying power because it really touches on a lot of things um that people feel at that age um and what they feel about their parents 
I think another thing that gives it good staying power is the nostalgia that's in it, mm -hmm. uh, the period that's revisited in the early 2000s. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing. That's actually quite a good thing. Nostalgia can be a really powerful tool for reminding you of how your childhood was. Um, but yeah, I think the staying power of this movie will be very good. I don't know if it's one that I'll revisit in particular. Um, I did enjoy this movie, but it's not one that had me saying, wow, I need to you know, go watch that movie again. There are a few movies on this list that I have seen multiple times, and Lady Bird isn't one of them. Um, it, is, it was one of my favorite movies of the year. It, like I mentioned, it was outside of my top ten. But uh, nobody should be surprised that it's nominated. It did have a lot of steam. Uh, early in the campaign season, and yeah, this this nomination should be no surprise. Perfect. Moving on to the Phantom Thread, neither one of us has seen. Eh. Probably good, maybe not. We'll have to see. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Moving on. Uh, on to the post. Um, if you had told me a year ago that um, a movie directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, starring Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep, was not going to be nominated for Best Picture. I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> On name power alone, this movie gets in. Steven Spielberg is an automatic nomination. Tom Hanks is an automatic nomination, as is Meryl Streep. Not that none of them are deserving. Of course they all are for this movie. But there's no way that this movie was not getting nominated for Best Picture, regardless of how good it was. Like, can you honestly, like, off the top of your head, think of a better trifecta of director actor and actress that has more prestige than the three of them not only can i not think of a better trifecta i can't think of better individuals and there's not a more guaranteed nominee than steven spielberg for director there's not a more guaranteed nominee for actor than tom hanks except maybe daniel day lewis and not a more guaranteed nomination for best actress than meryl streep who uh you know as mentioned uh, just pulled off the minor task of getting her 21st nomination yeah it's unreal uh the post is a fantastic movie i really loved it um, again, we, we did talk about it, uh, last episode, so we are going to kind of gloss over it. Um, I, I really don't know what more to say about it that we didn't already cover. Um, just re you know, repeating what I said earlier, my favorite scene in the movie is the phone call scene. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's not really much that I, I really want to go over cause I just feel like we're repeating ourselves. Yeah. Meryl Streep is the best part of this movie. Steven, Steven Spielberg does Steven Spielberg things Ugh. behind the camera. Uh, I mean, God, I love that man. He has all the signature Spielbergian moments in it. You know, he has the long takes that aren't even really long takes. Uh, he has a movie about what really should be a boring profession and makes it somewhat fun. I can't wait for what will probably be a movie about accountants next year. <laughs> <laughs> because he had the movie about lawyers last year, got the journalists this year. Got to hit all the boring professions, of course. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there's really not more uh, we can really say about this. This movie is absolutely deserving of the nomination and, again, should not be a surprise in the slightest. Okay, uh, moving on. Moving on. Shape of Water. Uh, as mentioned before, this movie leads head and shoulders above the others in nominations, largely due to its technical prowess. This movie is a film snob's wet dream. Oh. Like, like Everything that film snobs like to talk about, and I'm referring sort of to us as well yep. <laughs> in yep. this sentiment, yep. or I guess even wannabe film snobs. Uh, um, That's true. But everything from the cinematography to the color palette to the framing to the score to everything that's not the actors is great. 
and the actors are great. Yes. So everything that happens, just what you're looking at, is phenomenal. And then uh, the performances that Guillermo del Toro gets out of his cast are also very, very good and Oscar-worthy. Yeah, I agree. Uh, again, we've kind of really talked a lot about The Shape of Water and some of these other movies because they have so many nominations. I, I can't really articulate anymore how great this movie is. Yes, I know it didn't make my top 10, um, but that doesn't degrade uh, how great of a movie this is. It's worthy of all 13 of its nominations. I it's for me it's basically between shape of water get out and three billboards for best picture in my opinion if any one of those three win i'm not gonna be upset if anybody else wins i kind of am gonna be upset and incredibly shocked at the very least i'll be very surprised if one of those three movies doesn't win yeah in fact i'll be very shocked if the next movie that we're going to talk about does not win best picture well history doesn't really favor three billboards since it has a best picture nominee but no Best Director nominee. Right. But Argo did it. Argo. I think Argo was, what, the third movie ever, if I remember correctly, to to win Best Picture without having a director nominee? That I'd have to look up. Or something to that effect. Mm. I, I, I do recall that somewhat. I don't know that for a fact. But, uh, yeah, this really is surprising when we were going through the director category, and I went, Hey, what, who's missing out of this? Where's Martin McDonough? <laughs> um, Martin McDonough got nominated for screenplay, which if he didn't get nominated for the screenplay, that would be an absolute travesty because the screenplay of this movie is really, really good. The direction is also very good, but uh, I think that's more of a forgivable omission than the screenplay would have been. Wouldn't you agree? I do agree. Um, the, I This is... Uh... Easily will hands down win in my. I'm hoping uh, the sc- the screenplay win, um, but the. Sorry, I'm just looking something up. That's okay. Um, I like. I'm I'm really hoping this will win because I do feel this is the best picture of the year. Honestly, I think it's for me. It's really honestly between this and The Shape of Water. For sure. I know The Shape of Water didn't make my list, but but that's because our list was our favorite movies mm-hmm. of It wasn't the best movies in yeah, 2017. Yeah, if, if we had made that list, Shape of Water definitely would have made my Would have been Three Billboards, number one, Shape of Water, number two, probably. Um, some order. So, like I said, I, I don't want to... What haven't I already said <laughs> about this movie? Um, it's performances are phenomenal. The writing is phenomenal. Um, the pacing is phenomenal. Everything about this movie is great. Um, this is the one I want to win. This is the one I think is going to win. Or Shape of Water. I'm kind of hedging my bets there. Um, like I said, we're not here to make, we're not going to make our predictions. Um, Mm. I guess, well, I guess we'll find out uh, on the night of the Oscars. Um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I, I don't know what else I can really say about this movie. I feel like we've talked about it so much already. I just feel like I just... And we're going to continue to talk about it so much for probably the foreseeable future because it is that good. Yeah, it is. I think what makes this movie stand out, at least for me, is just the amount of levels that you can enjoy it on. Um, It's very rare that you can have both a movie that's so smart and so deep but also have it be a movie that you can really just shut your brain off and enjoy. Like normally you get those two things separately. Yes. Um, and I think it's very rare that both of those things can be included in the same movie. And I think that's really what makes it special personally. I, I agree. One um, of the many things I guess that makes it special. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I just feel like I'm just going to keep repeating <laughs> the things I've already said and, and I just don't, I don't know. 
It's just such a great movie. <laughs> I just want it to win so bad. Go see three, three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri yeah. if you haven't seen it already. If you haven't seen it, why are you even listening to us? Yeah. You, in the time that it took us to make this podcast, you could have easily watched this <laughs> spectacular masterpiece of a movie. Totally. Um, I guess that wraps up uh, us going over the Oscar nominations. Uh, we definitely went a little bit longer than I anticipated, but... That's going to be the norm. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of seem to keep rambling, but I'm not complaining because I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess uh, I guess for uh, Samuel Manley Movie Podcast, I'm Manny Manuel. I'm Sam Reimer. Adios.